This episode of the MedBullet Step 1 podcast will go over the topic of scaphoid fracture from the musculoskeletal section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 27-year-old man falls from a standing height and lands on his outstretched left hand. He complains of severe left wrist pain and immobility secondary to pain. On exam, he has tenderness over the anatomic snuff box. A radiograph of his left wrist demonstrates a fracture of the proximal pole of the scaphoid. Now, let's get into the episode. As a quick introduction, scaphoid fractures are clinically defined as a fracture of the scaphoid bone, which is one of the carpal bones in the wrist. As far as incidence, scaphoid fracture is the most common carpal bone fracture. The ideology is typically a fall from a standing height on an outstretched hand, and know that high-energy trauma is less common. Before we talk about pathoanatomy, let's talk about the normal anatomy of the scaphoid. And the scaphoid is one of the four bones in the proximal carpal row of the wrist. The other three are the lunate, triquetrum, and pisiform. Articulations of the scaphoid is the radius proximally, the lunate medially, and the trapezium, trapezoid, and capitate distally. Anatomic subdivisions of the scaphoid include the proximal third, the middle third, or the waist, and the distal third. As far as vascular supply, the dorsal carpal branch of the radial artery supplies the proximal 80% of the scaphoid via retrograde flow. The proximal scaphoid is the most likely to undergo avascular necrosis, or AVN, due to its tenuous retrograde blood supply. Note that the superficial palmar arch of the radial artery supplies the distal 20% of the scaphoid. As far as fracture location, 65% of scaphoid fractures are scaphoid waist fractures, 25% are proximal third fractures, and 10% are distal third fractures. Know that the distal third is the most common site for young children due to the ossification pattern. As far as prognosis, stable non-displaced fractures have a favorable prognosis, while unstable displaced fractures have unfavorable prognosis. Moving on to the presentation, patients with scaphoid fractures will have symptoms of radial-sided wrist pain. On physical exam, these patients will have anatomic snuffbox tenderness dorsally, scaphoid tubercle tenderness volarly, and pain with resisted pronation. As far as indications for radiography, this is always indicated if the fracture is suspected. However, initial radiographs may be negative. If clinical suspicion is high, you should repeat the radiograph two to three weeks after the injury. As far as findings, you will see a fracture line through the scaphoid. An MRI is indicated as the most sensitive imaging modality within the first 24 hours. It can be used if the initial radiographs are negative. As far as findings, MRI is the best modality to demonstrate associated ligamentous injuries, and it also allows for assessment of the vascular integrity of the proximal pole of the scaphoid if avascular necrosis is suspected. The differential diagnosis for scaphoid fractures include distal radius fractures, wrist sprains, and lunate dislocation. As far as distal radius fractures, these fractures will be evident on an AP and or lateral radiograph of the wrist, and these are more likely in older patients. A wrist sprain means a ligamentous injury in the absence of a fracture, which will be evident on MRI. Lunate dislocation can lead to symptoms of median nerve compression in the carpal tunnel. This will be seen as disruption of the Jalula lines on plane radiographs. Treatment of scaphoid fractures can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes thumb spike acasta mobilization, which is indicated for stable non-displaced fractures, as well as in the setting of normal radiographs, but a high index of suspicion for occult fracture. Operative options for scaphoid fractures include percutaneous pin fixation versus open reduction and internal fixation, otherwise known as ORIF. Indications for operative management of scaphoid fractures include unstable fractures, proximal pole fractures, comminuted fractures, and vertical oblique fractures. Complications of scaphoid fractures include avascular necrosis and nonunion. 
Avascular necrosis is the most common in proximal injuries due to a retrograde blood supply. Know that you may have joint instability and worsening pain hours to days after the initial scaphoid injury. Nonunion is another potential complication and may lead to scaphoid nonunion advanced collapse, which is progressive wrist arthritis due to chronic scaphoid nonunion. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 12-year-old boy presents to the emergency department after falling from his bike. He is holding his right arm tenderly and complains of pain in his right wrist. When asked, he says that he fell after his front tire hit a rock and landed hard on his right hand. Upon physical examination, he is found to have tenderness on the dorsal aspect of his wrist in between the extensor pollicis longus and the extensor pollicis brevis. Given this presentation, which of the following is the most likely bone to have been fractured? And the choices are 1. Scaphoid, 2. Lunate, 3. Pisiform, 4. Capitate, and 5. Trapezoid. The correct answer to this question is 1. Scaphoid. So if you have good situational awareness and know that we're going over questions about scaphoid fractures, you should have gotten this question correct, but to quickly review, this presentation in the question stem is consistent with a scaphoid bone fracture given the mechanism provided of falling onto his right hand combined with tenderness in the anatomic snuff box on physical examination. To quickly review once again, the scaphoid bone is the most radial of the first row of carpal bones. Along with the trapezium bone, it forms the floor of the anatomic snuffbox, which is an area bounded medially by the extensor pollicis longus and laterally by the extensor pollicis brevis and the abductor pollicis longus. Given its exposed position, the scaphoid bone is the most commonly fractured carpal bone with the classic mechanism of injury being a fall on an outstretched hand. It is important to note that a common complication of proximal scaphoid fractures is avascular necrosis due to the retrograde perfusion of the bone. Phillips et al. discuss how it is important to have a high index of suspicion for scaphoid fractures because early imaging may not reveal the presence of a fracture. Instead, a very sensitive test for scaphoid fracture is anatomic snuffbox tenderness, while the more specific physical exam maneuver is pain upon compression of the snuffbox. The standard of treatment for scaphoid fractures is a short-arm spica cast, though the authors claim that the inclusion of the thumb may not be necessary in all cases. Psi et al. present data that conventional management of scaphoid fractures may not be sufficient to prevent many cases of avascular necrosis. Specifically, in the subset of patients where the fracture does not heal properly and leads to a non-union, surgeons must be careful to use a properly vascularized bone graft. They claim that when intraoperative findings confirm necrosis, normal bone grafting is often not sufficient to repair the injury. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, the lunate bone is located centrally in the first row and is more likely to dislocate as opposed to fracture. Answer 3, the pisiform bone is a small bone located medially and forms part of Guillain's canal through which the ulnar nerve runs. Finally, answers 4 and 5 are incorrect as the capitate and trapezoid bones are located in the second row of carpal bones and are not within the anatomic snuffbox. And moving on to the final question. A 42-year-old woman presents to urgent care with right radial wrist pain. She reports slipping on an icy driveway yesterday and landing on her outstretched right hand. On physical exam, the skin is intact, and there is edema and focal tenderness at the dorsal radial wrist at the base of the thumb. Distal sensation is intact, and range of motion and strength testing are limited by pain. Radiographs are negative for fracture, and the patient is sent home with ibuprofen and ice packs. Two days later, she returns, and her pain, tenderness, and edema have worsened. 
which of the following is the patient at greatest risk for as a complication of her injury? And the choices are one, carpal tunnel syndrome, two, claw hand deformity, three, osteonecrosis, four, septic arthritis, and five, thenar atrophy. The correct answer to this question is three, osteonecrosis. So this patient with persistent pain and tenderness in the anatomical snuff box following a fall on an outstretched hand has an occult scaphoid fracture and is therefore at risk of osteonecrosis, that is, avascular necrosis or bone infarction. To quickly review once again, the scaphoid is the most commonly fractured carpal bone. A scaphoid fracture classically occurs after fall on an outstretched hand and causes pain and tenderness in the anatomical snuff box, which is the area at the dorsal base of the thumb between the tendons of the extensor pollicis longus and the extensor pollicis brevis. Such a fracture may be visible on initial radiograph, but often radiographs are initially normal, and a fracture is only seen on repeat radiograph at least one week later. For this reason, if a scaphoid fracture is clinically suspected, based on classic history and exam findings, as seen in this case, it should be treated empirically with a thumb spica cast even if radiographs are negative. Since the scaphoid has a tenuous retrograde blood supply from branches of the radial artery, an untreated fracture can interrupt this supply, leading to bone infarction, also known as osteonecrosis or avascular necrosis. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, carpal tunnel syndrome, which is compression of the median nerve within the carpal tunnel, can occur as a complication of lunate dislocation, not scaphoid fracture. Answer 2, claw hand deformity is a manifestation of ulnar nerve injury, which is a possible complication of hook of the hamate fractures. Answer 4, septic arthritis occurs when bacteria from the blood or an open wound seed a joint but is not likely to occur after a closed fracture. And finally, answer 5, thenar atrophy occurs with damage to or compression of the median nerve, for example, carpal tunnel syndrome, which is a possible complication of lunate dislocation. To leave you with a bullet summary, due to its tenuous retrograde blood supply, fracture of the scaphoid bone can result in osteonecrosis. That's all for this review about scaphoid fracture. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 1 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.